In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Jim and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Jim Ford. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 539. Better than me last week when I said 638. And, and I think Shad caught it, but he didn't say anything about it. And as soon as I started editing it, it's like, oh, I have to go pill for me saying a five from another from another episode and fix it, <laughs> which I cleverly did. <laughs> so if people, I didn't say that, people would probably never know that I did it. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like I would have caught that. <laughs> it was a pretty i must admit it was a pretty seamless a pretty seamless edit i have to go back a couple of episodes though because of my voice and because of the fact that we sw- we swapped opening lines so i didn't do the episode number in the episode like before that and it's like okay oh. yeah so I, I had to go back like three or four episodes more than i wanted to <laughs> i mean technically you could have just recorded yourself. i was going to that was actually that was actually my plan <laughs> that was actually my plan but i didn't but so Jim, what are we talking about tonight? Um, I believe we are discussing. <laughs> I think you're going to make more puns about Quantumania. <laughs> I, I would rather not think about Quantumania, honestly. Oh my god! Yeah, I finished listening to that episode today, and just the end of it. Like you're you're trying so hard not to tell jokes and <laughs> just keep on coming. <laughs> Oh, uh, no. oh, oh! At the last, the last one, the Ant Man yes. thing. Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 you're right. I was def. I was. Tr- I was trying to stay focused. <laughs> uh, no, tonight we will be discussing, and I'm sure that everybody already knows this because they already saw the title. Uh, as as if you were to look at a comic book and see the cover that gives away the ending. <laughs> a lot of that going around. We'll be discussing Loki. Loki's, season two. Yes, season two. Mm-hmm. Which for me, anyway, I thought it was my my view on season one was I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. So I I think season two to me was much better than season one. Oh, yeah. You know, season one started out very strong. Agreed. And. You know, like where that started out is exactly what everybody wanted and then i feel like halfway through or somewhere in the middle things started to get a little i don't know like the pace changed and interacting with sylvie yes like, I, I agree there were aspects of sylvie that i really liked but some of it was just like so jarringly slow um and I know that, you know, like they're trying to 
allow space for the emotions to, you know, show through. But I feel like it didn't sit tonally with the beginning. And even though they're on these like apocalypse worlds and, you know, all this other stuff, they're going till the end of time. It was just kind of like, I don't know. There was something about it that didn't feel as cohesive. The stakes didn't feel as real for whatever reason. And after the first half of that, that series, it was just kind of like, okay, well, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if it gets better. And it just kind of like, you know, it was okay. It was okay up till the end. And then the ending was just kind of like, okay. I mean, I guess this is where they had to go, but it doesn't really make for a satisfying ending, especially because it's like, well, to be continued. And now all of a sudden things have changed and blah, 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 blah. So like I said, it started out strong. It ended kind of questionable. Lauren Lauren started out watching it, and again, she really liked the beginning, and then around like episode three or so is where I think three was probably the last one that she watched, and she started watching four, and then it was just like she lost interest. For a casual fan, <laughs> you don't want to lose viewers on the fourth episode. That said, for season one, I feel like season two was not only much stronger and kept kept the pace and the tone like going really really well throughout the whole thing if not amping it up near the end which is preferable to you know slowing down near the end and they were able to like go back through the conceits of time travel and essentially fixed the ending to season 1 to make that better in retrospect while also giving us a very satisfying conclusion to season two. I think that's a very nice, an accurate way. I think of, of summing it up. I think, Oh wait, spoilers. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. And I, and again, yeah, I will, I will make sure from a, from a description perspective that I will mention that there, that there's spoilers in here. Mm-hmm. I do think, I do think the pacing, the pacing was good. I think they were pretty consistent with episode length for the most part, which is not critical if pacing is still good. Right. But after a while, like it does get, I personally get sick and tired of the Disney Plus shows that you that you literally never know if your episode is going to be 38 minutes or 52 minutes every week. I think that I don't think that's consistency counts for a lot. <laughs> and 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 that's another area where this show kind of was the quality was consistent. I think the episode, the running time of the episodes was pretty consistent. I think they did a good job exploring the, the personal or, and delving deeper into the personal relationships between a lot of the TVA members and Loki. I'm, I was not a big fan of the Sylvie stuff in the first, in the first season. I thought that kind of did, I thought that was part of the reason why it kind of went off the rails a little bit. Yeah. So I, so I did like the fact that her role in this season is a lot more subdued and this, and there's a lot more going on between Mobius and Loki and just, and, you know, Loki and Obi, Loki and even Victor Timely that, and the fact that obviously the end of season one has had such a dramatic change for Loki and in his, in his worldview that it's, it's really nice seeing that, seeing that develop throughout the season to clearly get to where we get at the end where 
we see Luke, you know, Loki's completely, you know, Loki has gone, you know, it's a complete 180 from, from where he started off in yes. season one, which of course basically was the, which would make sense because Loki in season one is essentially just an alternate timeline version of the 2012 Avengers Loki who had really started on no road to, for redemption yet. He hadn't even gotten, yeah. to, he hadn't even gotten to dark world level of redemption, let alone moving along through Ragnarok and, and Infinity War. So, yeah, I think it's just it's hard. I mean, I just really I just really liked what they did in this what they did in this entire show overall. The episode when they go back to the World's Fair to find Victor Timely and all the things, all just the interaction between Mobius and and Loki there. The 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 the, the, the cute little reference, like, again, since we never have really gotten an explanation in the MCU, why we have never seen Balder. Which is really annoying since Balder is pretty important in the comic books. <laughs> the fact that, oh, they have the, the picture of the, like at the pavilion with the Norse gods and it's, and it's not Loki. Loki's not there. It's Odin, Thor, and Balder. <laughs> Nobody even knows who he is. Of course he does. It's Balder the Brave. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, yeah. and even though our girl, uh, Gugu Mabata Raw didn't have much to do this season. I guess she 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 did she did the most she could do with the limited screen time she had. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I would say that actually I think her her role this time around, even though there was less of it, she did more with it. Agreed. So yeah, by that token, like when I forget what episode it was, maybe like two or three was it uh well was it three or four where they kick her to the end of time i think she got stuck there at the end of didn't was it the end of three when when miss minutes left with that cliffhanger that that's going to make you angry when you find out what you know right uh, yeah i think yeah i think i think four is when she found out her past because at the end of four is when seemingly time got wiped out and five was when loki was trying to find find everybody so four was the episode i think Okay. Well, so yeah, when, but when they got kicked to the end of time and yeah, it's like, you're going to be angry in that moment after everything that had happened this season to, uh, Ravona, you actually thought that there was a possibility. Like what if they move away from Kang as a villain and make her Kang, you know, like make her the new version or whatever, the the one who's you know she who remains or whatever, like that was a possibility at the end of that episode, and obviously that that didn't play out this season. Now, where that goes from here, who knows? But the fact that you know, I I mean I I can't speak for everybody, but I know for me personally, it's like okay, well. She's a viable contender now. Yeah. yeah, like the limited amount of screen time that she had, I think to be able to to make somebody think that is very effective. Yeah, and and for that br- relatively brief moment, it's like you they made her sympathetic too because of the fact that you find you you find out that basically she was the one who helped win the multiversal war for he who remains just right. so he could wipe her memory because he doesn't play well with others. Uh a, a common kink. <laughs> a Kane characteristic that he has no real interest in partnering up with anybody, certainly for any length of time. So even <laughs> though, so even though she was completely loyal to him and 
without her, she wouldn't, he would not have been able to accomplish what he did. At the end of the day, that meant nothing. It's like, okay, (laughs) thanks, but no thanks. And it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to mind wipe you and then I'll use you in other capacities. (laughs) Yeah. Now, sidebar, but do you think that Kang's wanting to work alone? Do you think that that is a pro or a con for him? Probably ultimately it'll turn out to be a con. I think it's on one, which which kind of makes the whole Council of Kings thing somewhat even more comical. The fact that if every if everybody if everybody wants to work alone, then even if you put just because they're all versions of themselves working together, why why would they really want to work together? Because what are the odds they're going to believe in the con- that they're really going to be on the same page length for long for long? It's like Sith. That's why you can only have two Sith because everybody's always plotting against each other. Right. So I. I I think it creates an interesting dynamic from from like it's symmetrical. The fact that even Victor Timely, who really we never really saw anything evil in Victor Timely for the most part. But but you still saw the fact that, you know, he really wanted to work alone, even though some of that was forced upon him because Miss Miss Minutes was literally stalking him to such a horrible degree that you can understand why he zapped her back <laughs> back and put her and put her in and got rid of her. It's like a. Make make me a body. <laughs> oh boy, what did I just walk into? Oh um, man, <laughs> but man, that, yeah, that was disturbing. But well, the amount of theories though, like that were flying around while the show was unfolding, it's like okay, so if you're playing with time, then kind of everything's on the table. So did he create Miss Minutes? And then in an alternate timeline or the future or the past or whatever, give her a body. And that turned out to be Ravona. And then he mind wiped her. So she didn't remember that she was Miss Minutes. And then it was like, you know, she'd be by his side as as his general, you know, as his general. And then he wiped her mind again so that she's running the TVA along with the help of the Miss Minutes as a computer program who doesn't realize that Ravona is her future. Well, the one thing we have to say with, when it comes to theories is if Miss Minutes was, if Miss Minutes was just basically kind of looking to take over a body, like doing some kind of like Ultron thing, or not necessarily even building a body, we both would agree taking over Gugu Mabata Raw's body would be a good choice. (laughs) (laughs) We would be completely in favor of that decision. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We we approve this message. Uh, But I don't know. I I think she just, I think Miss Minutes was just jonesing for a body and maybe, and maybe he who remains because he was, he, he was pretty bright. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's like maybe it's kind of like I got to I got to appease her enough so she doesn't cause problems for me. But if I actually give her this, this is going to then then maybe she won't be nearly as effective in the areas that I want her to be. And then she's going to be clingy. And now we're back to the whole. It's like if I did if I didn't want to partner up with Ravona, why do I want to partner up with you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially (laughs) considering, hey, Ravona, I mean. There are tons of reasons to, to partner up with Ravona, and it's like, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, and you could wipe her memory. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> could wipe. You could wipe everybody. Apparently, you could wipe everybody's memory. I mean, it's we we 
I mean, it was clear not just by what he said, but but the visual cues at the end that, you know, the TVA had been created and destroyed multiple times. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of like the Matrix. It's like everyone every so many time. I mean, after every so many years or whatever, the whole thing gets rebooted again and everything plays seemingly plays out, plays out the same way. So I suppose we probably should start with a summary synopsis of uh, season two, which is relatively straightforward in all honesty. So it really shouldn't even take that long. So uh, for those who don't remember, you know, season one ended with Sylvie killing He Who Remains, the Kang variant that pretty much was in control of the TBA and making sure all the alternate timelines and that everything got pruned. So only the sacred timeline would continue, mostly to keep his own variants in check and to prevent a multiversal war. But when Sylvie killed him, basically that set that took away that buffer. So all so all the timelines started to branch to branch out of control. And the the temporal loom, which was kind of like in control of everything, was at some point going to be overloaded. So the goal was they were trying to figure out a way to prevent the temporal loom from from being overloaded. And that that's that takes a lot of that. That's kind of like is the uh, motivating factor here, the almost like the MacGuffin of the whole of the whole season of the whole season, trying to get figure out a way to prevent the temporal loom from overloading. So everything gets. So everything doesn't get wiped out, but we find out eventually in this that the temporal loom that pretty much before we can go down that road, the simple reality is once Sylvie killed he who remains, it kind of was it was an impossible task to ever prevent the uh, temporal loom from not being overloaded. That for just from the minute he died, that the, the branches were just going to be too many and, and grow exponentially. And it was never going to work. So if the temp- so if the, the temporal loom, if it rebooted, basically what it would do is it would wipe out all the other timelines except for the sacred timeline. The TVA would get wiped out, and basically everything would start o- kind of like start over again. Thus the the Matrix reference. So after Loki after Loki realizes that after <laughs> literally thousands and thousands of attempts for hundreds and hundreds of years of time travel, because Loki masters the ability to control he time slips in the beginning of the season of the season where he he's hopping and skipping through periods in time and moments in time and he can't control it but eventually he learns how to control it so he can go back to where he wants as often as he wants so he realizes that the only way to basically at this point to try to save things is to go back and prevent sylvie from killing he who remains to begin with basically setting the status quo back to where it was before the end of season one but in order to do that, he's going to have to kill her because she just won't listen to reason and he can't stop her. And he's not. And because Loki has changed so much, he's unwilling to do that. He's just unwilling to do that task to kill her. And of course, he who remains had basically set all this in motion. He, he allowed Sylvie to kill him in the first place to set up this weird kind of equation and to see what and to see what Loki's going to do and all these things. And he makes it clear to Loki, well, you really only have two choices from his perspective. It's like either you have to kill Sylvie, keep me in charge. Everything goes back to the way it was and we save what we can. Or if you don't do that, then, you know, the temporal loom is going to explode. It's a fail safe. All your friends are going to get wiped out. All the timelines are going to get wiped out. And as the sacred timeline starts and everything goes back again. Loki eventually figures out from pop from time skipping and slipping and talking to Mobius at different times and Sylvie at different times and having the gong go off in his head also from talking to 
uh, this Kang variant that there is an, in his mind, there's another alternative. So he himself makes the sacrifice play to use his magic to overload the loom. The loom does explode, but before basically everything can get restarted and all the other timelines can be destroyed, Loki uses his magic somehow and he's able to take physically hold on to all these branches of time before they die. And he ends up at the end of time, finally getting his throne and finally getting his finding his glorious purpose that he is to sit there seemingly eternally holding all these timelines, these branch timelines and keeping them alive. And and the TVA that the TVA stays intact. But now they have a new purpose. Their TV, the TVA's main purpose is to track down Kang variants which we kind of get a reference to the events of Quantumania. And that's kind of the brief summary. Of course, Jim can add stuff, whatever relevance I left out, but that's kind of the, the gist of it. No, no, that's everything. <laughs> well, I'm glad I did it. I tried to do a thorough, but quick job. But yeah, I mean, Loki had changed so much. And the fact that it, and some levels, I mean, it's appropriate that he finally gets his glorious purpose he finds out what that is, and he, and he and he's meant to rule and gets his throne. But of course, like almost nobody will ever know it. <laughs> so it's one of those it's one of those uh, you know great sacrifices you have to make too. Is that he's do and he's do he's doing it because of of the affection and that he has for his friends, and he's doing it because of the fact that he does believe. Obviously, he is a perfect example of how other timelines should have a chance to live, and they shouldn't all just be wiped out because they quote unquote aren't. They're not supposed to exist. So that's not the way things are supposed to happen, because Loki himself obviously had such a journey from the beginning of season one to the end. So Loki sits at the end of time. He who remains as we know him is is not doesn't exist. And now it opens the door for whatever Marvel wants to do, whether they want to continue on the Kang path for Avengers five and six, whether they literally want to prune a lot of that and still keep maybe one maybe a Kang as a threat, but not all the Kangs as a threat. Pretty much they by doing what they did at the end of the show now, they have options of what they what they can do built into their story. So I thought that was pretty clever onto itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think I, I guess the only thing that I would add, and this is more so speculation, and it's also just something that I was thinking about from the show is that with him at the end of time, holding all of the timelines together, the look on his face, that was the look of someone who could tell what was happening in those timelines. Correct. Like, what do you think? Well, I mean, you surely could interpret it that way. If we assume this is more of a, you know, this is the MCU's version of making Loki, the God of stories. Yeah. Yes, you would. You could certainly read into that. You also could read into it that it's also a look more just reflecting. It reflects satisfaction, but and resignation to what his fate is too. But and and again, kind of like he 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 kind of got over the finish line. He kind of got what he wanted in a different kind of way. So I think there's elements of all of those things that come into play. But you are correct. I I would be surprised if he didn't have. If he he wasn't able to at least read, feel, see into those timelines, and that could very well factor into what we're going to get in Avengers five and six too, because you'd like you certainly would think even if he can't leave where he where he is, that he can have some influence over you know 
you know, Mobius and other people at the TVA to, to be able to reach out to them somehow. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, with, with the conceit of time travel and also him literally holding onto every branch, you would think that if they really want to put him in really anything ever in the future, they can just have that time slipping Loki hop in right before he goes to, you know, do what he has to do. As far as we saw in this show, he talks to Mobius and then he goes and does what he has to do. But because it's time travel, he could have spent another several centuries between those two moments going and, you know, living a life, fighting battles, doing this, that or the other thing. So really, like, it's up to Tom Hiddleston to you know to basically say whether or not he wants to come back and marvel could come up with literally anything for him now that said would that reduce some of the impact of having him also at the end of time holding everything together maybe but we'll see i i kind of suspect that if they are going to have a secret wars movie still you know god only knows if they're gonna keep going with that or what's gonna happen you would think that it's going to factor him in somehow because if he's holding all of the multiverse and all the time you know lines together and a secret you know a secret wars is essentially the multiverse and the incursions and trying to stop them and blah, blah, blah. So the the two kind of go hand in hand. I don't know how you could have a secret wars without at least referencing Loki. But like that said, even if they don't, this was a satisfying ending for the character. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that, I think. And plus, because, I mean, we have to remember... I mean, one of Loki's base powers with his magic was just creating illusions and creating like all make making people think he's somewhere where he's not. That's kind of like like all the times Flora fell for that. <laughs> so you would think with his magic, there's no reason in theory he couldn't do something like that to send like a send almost like an avatar of himself if he needed to to go talk to someone while he still continues to uh, sit at the end of time. But you're right. Because, when you have when you have time travel, you know it, it's kind of like if they really wanted to, if they really want to bring Chris Evans back for Secret Wars, they don't even have to worry about making it be another, either another universe's Captain America or kind of like like a TVA thing where they pluck him out of the timeline just to put him back in where he belongs eventually because we know he returned all he returned all the Infinity Stones. Something could have he could have been he could have found out something or somebody could have found him looked for him while he was returning the stones before he went back to go with Peggy and then he went into Secret Wars and then went back into the past to stay with Peggy. Yeah. So I mean so he's the he's the easiest character from of the of him like him and Robert Downey Jr. But that's just so many different ways you could do that. But yeah, if they don't it's very difficult to believe they won't do anything with him. But it but it is kind of like in a way it, it just tells you everything to do where you are with Marvel. They have so many characters that are that are interesting and powerful and they've kind of like 
they've kind of like put them all on the sidelines or or they're, they're either dead or on the sidelines i mean they kind of they did it with wanda they did it with loki yeah and then and then and then and then you're stuck with like the c team trying to try to <laughs> try them trying to build a future around the c team which which is just well, you, like, you know listen i wouldn't even have a problem with them trying to build around a c team except for the fact that they haven't they established haven't established the c team yes yeah <laughs> like you know they they've come in for like they each everybody gets one movie and that's it you know and it's not like like what you call it um uh, shang chi is the best example because out of all of the ones that they've they released in these waves these you know these more recent waves that was like one of the was it one of the best performing i don't know if it was one of the best performing yeah overall but... certainly from a certainly from a from a from a ratings perspective from between like on rotten tomatoes between the audience and the critics yeah it's one of it's it's one of the two i think it's one of the only there's only two more movies in the mcu in phases four and five i think they got in the 90s it's a spider-man and i think shang chi Mm. Uh, yeah i mean and that that was a character that i had absolutely zero interest in before that movie and for them to make me care about that character like that was a really really good movie for it to do that so the fact that we haven't gotten a sequel to that already is uh it's bananas like that they're talking about greenlighting something now, which isn't going to be out for at least two years. So you're talking about well, what is that? Like six years between movies, five years between movies? Yeah, because they're they're, they're so backlogged as is. Even if you want to be, if you want to be realistic and say, well, the odds are Blade won't come out in 2025 because it's probably going to get canceled. And I still think legitimately there's probably a 60 to 70 percent chance that'll happen. You still have three other movies in 2025 that they pretty much are locked into. The Captain America Four, which sounds like it's going to be a train wreck. You have the Fantastic Four, and you have Thunderbolts. So, realistically speaking, anything they—I mean—they're talking about a lot of stuff now. They're talking about oh, Chris Hemsworth getting close to maybe potentially signing on for Thor Five. Uh, there's some more drum beats about Spider-Man. All all this stuff. But the reality is, the earliest realistically you're going to see any of these movies is 2026. Now, because they've because they've invested so much in projects nobody cares about. Yeah. And I mean, that's what's mind that's what's mind boggling about. You're right. If they had spent time establishing the characters and not forcing them down your throat, but making you care, then plus weaving in the new characters with the characters from the first three phases that people cared about. Yeah. That they would have liked to have seen step up to the chair. Wanda was one. Doctor Strange was one. Spider-Man was one. And sure, we got two Spider-Man movies in two years by luck of the draw because we got Far From Home and No Way Home within two years of each other. But yeah. now, again, the odds are we couldn't get another Spider-Man movie. It would be five years since the last one. And the, <laughs> the, that's 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 ridiculous. And it's like that. I mean, it's one of those things where I mean, I don't I don't know how far we want to go down the rabbit hole, but it's like I keep thinking again for all those people that said, oh, we don't need the Fox properties. It's like, oh, my God, if you did not have the Fox properties waiting in the wings, you would be so pardon my language. You the MCU would be so. And I don't know how they would even even think about getting out of it, because what the hell could they hang their hats on? Even if they still had Spider-Man, let's say let's be optimistic and say Sony's going to be in bed with them for another 10 years because of how mutually beneficial it is. 
other than Spider-Man, what the hell do you have right now that people really care about? Well, what do you have right now? No, nothing. You have nothing. But, you know, like, if they didn't have... I mean, I okay, so, yes, they have the Fox properties back, and so you got the X-Men and you've got Fantastic Four. That's great. And the benefit of those properties is that the public knows who they are but that's kind of like for good or for bad because fantastic four hasn't had a good movie in what's it been 15 years 20 years it's been a really long time since the first fantastic four movie came out and ever since then okay well we like the concept of a fantastic four but you only ever kind of realize the potential once. And granted, that wasn't Marvel, but, you know, like, just anybody making a movie, yeah, throwing shit at the wall, excuse my language. <laughs> and, you know, like, okay, so there's a good chance that if Marvel makes a Fantastic Four movie, it'll be great. But I don't think that's a super slam dunk, right? You know, like you can't just throw something together and be like, Hey, it's the fantastic four and expect, Oh, well, all of the goodwill that we have from all the other fantastic four movies will carry it through. Absolutely not. If that movie is mediocre, like it does not, not even bad. If it's okay, it's going to bomb. Because well, yes, especially because of where, but that's also because of where we are with the MCU now as a whole. Oh, all absolutely. The, yeah, all, yes. the, all the, all the, all the goodwill is gone, which is the reason why, you know, even the trades are like ripping into Marvel now, not because they hate Marvel, because they actually want to help Marvel in their own way. You know, it's kind of like, the, it's kind of like the, the, the movie, ver- the movie trade version of how people on the left are complaining about Joe Biden's age, not because they're going to vote Republican, because they legitimately say, hey, this could get in the way of keeping us in power. So you better do something about it. So, or, yeah. you know, so it's, it's the same thing. They want to help Marvel. But now but it's not just the blood in the water. But the reality is, yeah, like so like like a movie like Black Widow, which was incredibly ant to begin with, in all honesty. That movie, if it came out right now, I am absolutely sure it would be savaged a lot more by not that it did well with critics anyway. But it probably would be savaged by critics and liked a lot less by fans right now because the, the all the goodwill of the MCU is gone. And I mean, and I mean, when I mean all of it, I mean it's like prove it to me. You give us a good project, we'll support it. You give us Guardians, we'll like it. You give and it's good, we like it. You give us Spider Man, we like it. You give us the Eternals, which we never wanted, and it looked like crap, and it turned out to be crap. Yeah. You give us the Marvels, which nobody wanted, and, and it's better than the Eternals. But the reality is, and I think it's better than Quantumania in all honesty, but the reality is nobody wanted it. It was marketed horribly. It didn't look good. The days, you know, that's like, that's your come to Jesus moment if there's going to be the one, is the Marvels. It's like, which sucks because it came out, like we talked, we joked about it, it came out the same day pretty much as the last episode of Loki. So all the glory that this season has gotten and, the, and, and didn't even get a chance to really bask in all that much glow for long. Because now everybody's talking about what a disaster accurately that the Marvels is. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's because of how how they're going. You know, the good ship Marvel is hitting hitting iceberg after iceberg. That the odds are of them not bringing characters like Loki back. But and we and who knows what they're going to do with Kang? We don't know. I mean, I like them to. I mean, 
depends what you hear. Some people say, hey, you know, Dr. Doom was always supposed to end up in this story at some point. That because it would kind of be stupid to do any version of Secret Wars without Doctor Doom, since, since he was always a factor. Yeah, but you but you don't know, and it and and then it and then it's like, well, because the goodwill's gone. Yeah, people are a lot more nervous about when you when you hear stuff about, hey, people like Pedro Pascal, but I don't see him as Reed Richards either. Could he do it? Maybe, but that's not. But it's like, and eh, it's like I don't know. And hey, let's make the Silver <laughs> Surfer a chick. And it's like all these things. It's like, man, it's like it's like. It's like it's like you learn one lesson and then you and then and then you forget the other, like two more. <laughs> okay. Potentially. Okay. So a lot of things that you just said, I have to counterpoint and I have to try <laughs> and remember them. But first off, uh, let's see. Oh God, now I've forgotten everything. <laughs> Pet, uh, Pedro Pascal. I agree that I agree that pa- Pedro Pascal is not a great idea for Fantastic Four. But that said, after all the goodwill that he has with Star Wars, that's probably what Disney's thinking. It's like, oh, we'll just plug him into Fantastic Four and everybody will love him. Plus, Which, everybody's been turning down the role. <laughs> well, yeah. There's that, too. Uh, I mean, there, there is that. Yeah. Now, with what I had heard was that the reason that Marvel is thinking about moving away from Kang as a character is because allegedly Jonathan Majors has a contract that says that nobody else can play a variant of Kang. Every variant of Kang has to be played by Jonathan Majors, which is, it makes perfect sense for his contract because it's like, okay, well, you have, like, you're establishing that this character has like a thousand variants or more. And for him as an actor, it's like, okay, well, if you want me to play this actor, and they clearly did because of all the buzz generated by him or, you know, yep. the interest from He Who Remains, then he gets this contract that says that he has to be every version of this character. So if you can't recast him, then Kang is effectively dead unless this, you know, like his trial, his lawsuit, whatever like that finds him guilty or whatever like that. And then they might have like uh, an ethics clause to get out of it. But by and large, like that's, that's why they're not like, yeah, we're going to recast and blah, 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 blah. Most likely, allegedly. Now that said, when Loki season one came out and they started making all their plans, they said, they specifically said that originally Kang was not going to be as big a factor in these phases as he was originally. It was the fact that Jonathan Majors yes. had yep. he he got everybody so excited that they're like, hey, we gotta have this guy back. We have to have him have him take on a much bigger role. So they whatever they had planned for phases four, five, and six, they torpedoed. Yes. Supposedly, yes. Yeah, to go to Kang. Now, like you said, accurately so, if you're going to have a Secret Wars at all, you got to have Doctor Doom. I mean, I you cannot, you can't convince me any way that Doctor Doom was, ne- was not going to ever be a part of that equation. Most likely, he was going to be the one 
and how I see it is that you're going to have the Beyonder and you're going to have Dr. Doom and he's going to take the powers of the Beyonder and blah, 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 blah. And eventually he'll give up the powers or lose the powers or whatever. And he'll still be a threat, probably a bigger threat for the next waves. But that's Dr. Doom's role in all of that. Now, with Jonathan Majors and Quantumania, probably by pushing him into that generator, they were going to turn him into the Beyonder. So now he's playing all the Kangs for the Kang Dynasty, and then Kang the Conqueror is going to come back as the Beyonder, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe not. Maybe they have somebody else playing the Beyonder, and by Kang the Conqueror falling into that dimension, he gets the Beyonder's attention. So now he comes back and does a Secret Wars, blah, blah, blah. So what the hell was the plan before they torpedoed it in favor of we love Jonathan Majors. <laughs> let's wrap everything around Jonathan Majors. Let's uh, let's rest literally everything we have on one person and hope that nothing bad happens. I mean, considering the the dire straits that they're in now, I literally I, I was reading a movie review today. I was going through old newspapers and I read a movie review today for the Marvels in Newsday. And Rafer Guzman, who has been there for as long as I've been reading Newsday, gave it literally zero stars. Zero stars. I can't even imagine how you'd give that movie. I, like, I haven't seen it. But I, uh, uh, Iman Vellani is, she's worth at least half a star herself. Like, just, <laughs> you show up and she's there, I'm giving a movie half a star. It doesn't matter anything else. Her charisma is worth at least half a star, possibly more. I, I might give the movie one star based just on her. But, you know, like like you said, like the goodwill is gone and and there is blood in the water. And that's not the only reason why things are happening. But that blood on the water is definitely promoting certain reviewers to give zero stars for a Marvel movie. I mean that doesn't even make sense. No, and, and and that's and to be fair, that that it that's I mean that's harsh. I mean that it's again it's not fantastic by any stretch of the imagination, but it's probably on it's probably like a three out of five. And again, you it's a movie where yeah, if you're watching it, you can probably you can look at it and go, oh yeah, somehow this movie probably would have made a lot more sense before they ripped it up and reshot it like forty five times. That is one of those movies where you can kind of see the byproduct of kind of like. Kind of like what they had to do with like the Tranktastic Four because you know that movie was so bad. It's like they had to try to salvage whatever they could out of it, and, and it's like it's, it ended up like almost missing an act. It seemed when you when you watch that movie. I think, yeah, I mean, it 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 would be really interesting to see because clearly when you look at where we are, and this is where you know Ch I kind of disagreed with with Chad when he started saying like listening to the fans is a mistake. It's like. If you put your finger up to the wind to make your decisions all the time up in any position of power or decision making, yeah, that's horrible. You can't do that. Yeah. But we've also seen we've got many more examples of how bad it is when basically you the fan base tells you we don't want something and you keep flipping them the finger and we know how that works. Yeah. That the reality is, you know, people have been people have been saying that there's issues with more with fate, you know, with phase phases four post end game, basically for years now. And only now pretty much you know, are, is everybody jumping on the bandwagon going along with it. A lot of like YouTubers and people that were 
be calling us all misogynist, sexist trolls. Uh, <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're saying the same exact thing. It's like, you know, there's a problem with, you know, putting like agenda and like activism ahead of story or a universe, universe building ahead of the actual story in each individual movie. And, you know, which, of course, was a problem Favreau had way back when with Iron Man 2, supposedly that he didn't like it. Iron Man 2 because Marvel had was telling them too much of what had to be in that movie because they were more concerned with universe building than making a yeah. good second Iron Man movie. But you look at this and it's like, who the hell knows what it's really it's like what the hell were they thinking when they were coming up with phases four through six? Because it's like if it was always going to be the multiverse saga, it's like you you only have like half the projects that have any ties to the multiverse at all. And some of them are tenuous, real tenuous. Oh, wait. I mean so and it's, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna break you right there because uh, tying into something that you mentioned with you know especially Wave Four, the Eternals, the Eternals was a bad movie. It did horribly. It was not received well, especially by audiences, and it had no ties at all to the multiverse. And again tying into you talking about like listening to the fans say we don't want that they're green lighting that for a sequel i um, that's not official though i would be stunned if we get uh, i would be stunned if we get that if they that seems to be like a disney plus thing if you ever want to go back to it i mean i'm sure we'll see the characters again yeah but them getting i mean there's just too much first of all there's still stuff they have in mind yet there's acts that people might want to see but yet they keep focusing on this minutia that people don't. And then you have all these characters again, the, the characters that people still have affection for. Let's put them on the back burner. And I don't know. I think I don't know what their original plan was. It clearly wasn't well thought out. The idea of them seemingly again being stuck in their ways where even when they realized they were getting the Fox properties, they didn't shift. I mean, think think about it this way. The only movie we're getting next year and, and the next best hope for the MCU is Deadpool, a character that they wouldn't even had had any rights to like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's the next big chance to kind of like right the ship. And if De and, and if Deadpool turns out not to be really, really good, if Deadpool turns out to be, let's say, the multiverse of madness part two. So it's not great, but it's it's not horrible, but it's not what people expect and not giving people really what they what they wanted out of this or in, in their mind's eye. Then, then you have 2025. And again, you know, Captain America four sounds like it's a, it's a, or a you know, right now it's a train wreck. Cause they literally pushed this movie back over a year. And the movie was finished filming. This isn't a movie that got disrupted by the strike. The movie was done. There was even talk at the time of this movie being pushed up into 2024, moving up past its original release date. Cause it was done. And the movie's so bad by all accounts that they literally are going to be doing reshoots from January to March. Now, yes, they're not going to be doing reshoots for five months straight because they are probably working around people's schedules, but that's a lot of damn reshoots. And the, have, the thing that I had heard about Captain America was that the movies like action scenes did not live up to the hype of previous Captain America movies. So, I mean, whether or not that's accurate or not, who who the hell knows? But that is the most recent news bit that I had heard. And there is truth in that. I mean, there's a lot of things. Uh, there's also some really cringeworthy stuff you hear about what could be in that movie, especially like 
I guess, I guess we kind of get an Avengers sighting, but like Sam makes his own team and it's like, talk about a C tier team. Oh, no. It's like, oh, and that's another problem they have is that they think they, again, we've talked about this before. If they think they can just throw the Avengers label on any, any group of schnooks and people are going to care, especially now that they've literally given it, flipped us the finger when it comes to the Avengers for like four, like four and a half years now, except for when they wanted to be stu- be, be desperate and try to push Captain Marvel by tying it to the Avengers, which was pathetic. Oh, that was, that was laughable. It was desperate. And I could, I, it was annoying, but it was more annoying when they tried to make it sound like, oh, the plot of the movie, somehow Dar Ben is going to tie into Thanos' legacy, which, spoiler alert, it doesn't. Not at all. <laughs> so the reality, and, and so, I mean, and you knew it didn't. It was bullshit. They were, t- they were trying to pl- a- appeal to back when the MCU was good and people cared. So, I mean, it's just that they don't care. I mean, the younger, hey, the younger Avengers, if you built it properly, people would care, depending who you put on the team. Hey, you put Spider-Man on the team, people would care. But right now, you put you put Captain Marvel, Kate Bishop, and Kate and uh, Cassie Lang. Who, I mean, I know, I think you liked her. I thought she was annoying as hell in that movie, and I'm, I know I'm not the only one. But that ain't much of a team, and I don't care if they're going to introduce Wiccan and, and and Agatha Harkness and. Whether it's going to be a Hulkling or they're going to stick Scar on the team. Nobody's going to give a flying F about that team right now either. You put Spider-Man on it, people would care. Oh, they're they're going to have, and it's, it's going to be the grandson of the black Captain America. I'm sure. Oh, you mean, they'll throw that out in the, um, the next Captain America movie. Yeah, they could do that too. You're right. Cause they, they, you're right. Cause that would fit, that would fit a couple of check boxes. Cause it would, it would, they could justify finally having a male on the team. It's like, hey, we have two males on the team. One will be black and one will be gay. So those will be two boxes we can check. And then we don't. And then at least we can say, well, they're not all women. I don't know. I mean, I and, and like I like Kate Bishop and I like Kamala, but that, but that yeah. that's not that, that's not the direction to go in. To, but then again, I don't know what they can do at this point to save the MCU. It's going to take a lot of heavy lifting. I mean. One thing I want to say about the whole Marvel pivoting thing, just to make it clear that if I really believed that Marvel was like just they were like pandering and they were desperate and they were just, please help us point us in the right direction, then I would agree more with kind of like what you know Chad's point from the last episode. But Marvel's pivoting because they know they're in trouble. Yeah. So they would they would be it's like the decision making equivalent of it's not the it's not the crime, it's the cover up that. Sometimes the initial bad decision isn't it's in the kiss of death. It's the doubling down on the original bad decision because you're afraid to admit that you made a mistake. <laughs> and in this case, they would be they would be crazy to not recognize that they have that where people see them, how people view the MCU compared to where it was has dramatically shifted and not in a positive way. And, <laughs> you know, so. And some of it, probably to be fair, was unavoidable because I remember Chad and I talked about this shortly after Endgame, whether whether Endgame was going to be the you know the the peak, the pinnacle of the MCU, whether it could ever get to that height again. And I don't mean for just like one movie or for an event, but would it could would the MCU ever be as popular as it was heading into Endgame and through Endgame? And I took the took the ta- the opinion, the tack that no, that's it. You're never going to be that popular again. You can still be popular, but you're never going to be that big again. And that wasn't, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. Right now, it looks like I'm just going to be right. <laughs> yeah. 
well, I think I think now there's it's not that there's no way that they could do it again, but it's gonna take like, a while. Oh yeah, it'll take a real long time. And also if they had played their cards differently, then yes, they could have continued on with that momentum. But you know, like at the end of the day, Disney is a big corporation that, you know, has to answer to stockholders. And, you know, instead of like just saying, okay, well, we're going to take this, we're going to find a creative, you know, director and we're going to give them, you know, a movie and let them do their thing, you know, because it worked out so well for us for Guardians of the Galaxy. But you also have to, you can't be completely hands off, but you can't be completely hands on. I don't know. How much how much hands-on there was with Eternals, but I don't know, like that wasn't it. <laughs> but like regardless of all of that stuff, they specifically set out to take a whole bunch of low-tier characters and try and elevate them to the level that they had for the original movies. And one, like the movies weren't good enough to do that. Two, the characters were some were interesting enough, some were not. Like three, if you're gonna do that, then why did you why did you spread it out so much so that there were so many new introductions that the ones in the beginning don't get sequels, you know, like until six years later, like they had, like, if you're going to try and use the formula, then why don't you use the formula? They're trying to use the formula, but like in a new way, that's not going to apply to the things that you're applying it to. Nothing about what they did for waves four five and, you know, six or whatever, like what they had planned makes sense from our perspective and on the one hand you know you could look at it and be like oh hey look that's cool they're trying something new but by the same token it's like well i'm just an average person while listen i fully didn't expect to like jang chi but i loved it and I thought that Doctor Strange was going to be like the best one out of all of the movies that they had announced. And listen, it was really good. So, I mean, you know, it's, I was kind of right about, on that one. <laughs> that said, you know, like the movies that they had announced, it's like, you know, Black Widow. OK, I, I don't I don't need to see a Black Widow movie, especially when the character died. Like, you know, like who cares? Like it was it was a series of head scratchers that back then it was like, what are they doing? And we all said, what are they doing? Yes, we did. Like, it's not like this is, you know, hindsight. It's like, oh, man, should have saw that one coming. And like Chad said, you don't want to listen to the fans every five minutes and keep changing whichever way the wind blows. But if you release, 
your your set list or whatever like that and the only people that are like raving about it the diehards that are there at the announcement and then after that it um this looks a little shaky i don't know it's like i guess i'll give you the benefit of the doubt because you know you gave us endgame but this doesn't i'm not i don't have a lot of confidence in this and marvel's like no no it's fine we know better it's I don't I don't I don't understand. I don't understand what made them go this far off course. Now that said, Loki was amazing. It was. And you know, that considering that's the, what we're here to talk about. Yes. But this show is fantastic and shows us how good it can be. While, you know, while a movie releases the same day as the last episode and shows us not necessarily how bad Marvel can be, but definitely how low it can go in terms of ratings and box office and, and just buzz in general. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Loki, Loki gives you hope and see that's, that's if you're looking for hope in general, it's the fact that there have been a few bright spots in phases four through six which just reinforces the fact that when people say, oh, there's superhero fatigue, there's Marvel fatigue. No, there's crap fatigue. Yeah. People, people, thanks to what, and part of it, you can make a case. Part of it is that whole, you know, when, when you try to change people's mindsets and, and condition them to do things differently because it suits your purposes, just when you want to switch it back, it doesn't work that way. So you could blame some of it on the pandemic, getting people used to, streaming everything and watching it at home so so pe- some people are more reluctant to go out and spend to see a movie because they know eventually they can watch it at home anyway and it's like well i really don't want to sit with people regardless of potentially getting sick just because i'd rather watch it at home so you have that factor it's like you got to give people a reason to go see stuff and you have so so that's that's part of it too but but their track record is is pretty pretty hit or miss and they and they are not consistent at all it's like for 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 every for every Loki season two, you have Secret Invasion, you have She Hulk, oh, you have God. Ms. Marvel, which I like, but no, but nobody watched. And you and for every for every Guardians, for every Guardians, you have you have a Quantumania and you have a Ms. Marvel. It's like there's like so people will still come see what they want to see, but there's no carryover. There's there's no momentum, especially. Because in a way, Marvel has made it easy for there not to be any momentum because nothing carries over from one project to the next. The connective tissue, which used to make it special, is pretty much non-existent except for some forced post-credit scenes here and there that almost none of which in phase four and five have meant anything to people. Well, I mean, to, to continue what you're talking about, in the first one, as soon as you see Thanos, as soon as you see the 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 cosmic cube you know instantly it's like oh shoot we're working up to an infinity war the clues were there and then you just get to keep on watching the connective tissue and you watch the you know the the clues build up and it's like oh my god they're they're building up to a uh, an infinity war they're building up to an infinity war and that's what they were building up to and it was something that you can anticipate and you look forward to the next piece of that puzzle that paved the way to that blockbuster movie. This, these waves, 
you didn't even know that it was a multiverse saga until they specifically told you. And if you went back and looked, it's like, okay, I guess that makes sense with some of them. But it's just, it's the multiverse saga is just like, okay, so the universe is freaking broken or the multiverse is broken. Okay, that sucks, but it's not like we're not building clues to anything. It's just, this is what it is. And keep showing up for the next installment. And then at the end, it'll, you know, it'll pay off somehow. And nobody cares about that. Like there, there is no excitement building the way, especially the way that the first three waves went, like there's nothing like that. No. And it, and it's, and again, it makes you, and like you mentioned, we talked to a lot of people, not just all of us. We've talked, but when they, when we first found out, you know, like the first three movies that were supposed to be out of the gate for phase four, it's like, why? And they got, and they lucked out by luck of the draw from a, from a, from a vibe perspective, from a public relations perspective, they lucked out because the Eternals was supposed to be the second movie out of the gate. It just got reshuffled because of the pandemic. But Shang-Chi was supposed to be the third movie out and it turned out to be second. And yeah, we know Black Widow would have made a shit ton more money if it had come out in a non-pandemic world in 2020 like it was supposed to because it was tracking for Captain Marvel money at the time. But the point is, those none of those projects made a lot of sense. You, Black, Widow, Black Widow was safe from a financial perspective because you knew it'd be you knew it'd be a hit because people had they liked the character, especially having the heartstring pulls because of Endgame. Yeah, it's a prequel, so that's borderline. You knew it had to be, but still, and they, and they didn't even give you the story people would have wanted, which would have been her and Hawkeye. But still, that but Shang Chi was a gamble. But okay, new characters, you can do it. The Eternals always looked like it wasn't going to work. That's one of those projects you circle from the get-go. It's like, why? The odds of this be That's where kind of like the hubris and the arrogance comes into play, of learning the wrong lessons from Guardians, which is we can take any C-tier property and marvelize it, and it's going and, and it'll be fine. It's, and it's like, well, no, you can't. I mean, maybe you can if you approach it the right way and put a lot of effort into it. But again, it's like, and then they did the same thing. And the Marvels, I mean, that was a project that, again, from the very beginning, you knew that that project never made a lot of sense. There's a Captain Marvel sequel that they couldn't even bother to put Captain Marvel's name in the title because they knew she wasn't going to be the one drawing people to the to the theater, which tells you all you need to know. Then maybe don't do a Captain Marvel sequel, because if she was that popular, then literally it is the only Marvel movie and the only sequel in which the, the main character of the movie is not in the title. And they're going to say, well, it's a collective bullshit. It's Captain Marvel, too. It could have been Captain Marvel 2, the Marvels. Could have been Captain Marvel, the Marvels. If they thought she, if they thought she was going to sell tickets, her name would have been in the title. You didn't need to put Thor in the name of Love and Thunder once people realized it was a Thor movie. But you do it because it's good for the brand and it keeps continuity. Yeah. So it's like they knew that they they counted on two characters from TV shows to sell the movie. Which I like both the characters, but first of all, nobody watched Ms. Marvel. We hadn't seen Monica in like a, in like two and a half years. Yeah, and some of that was unfortunate because of constant delays. But still, they and then they got desperate. And they they pivoted back to sell the one character they knew wouldn't sell the movie to begin with. But let's Avengerize her and see if it helps. I don't know what that their their plot their planning for phases four through six were poor. 
we know Guardians would have come out a lot sooner if Gunn hadn't hadn't gotten fired and then got scooped up by WB so fast. Mm-hmm. Whether it would have been the first movie in Phase Four or whether it would have been the May re- the, the, the second May release in a non forget about COVID. Basically, it would have gotten the Doctor Strange spot at the absolute worst if it wasn't going to get the original Black Widow spot. So we know that movie would have come out sooner. But you look at some of the things. I mean, I, I mean, I don't get why they're why they're pushing Blade so much. I know they want to go off into the supernatural, which which is natural, no pun intended. But based on where they've started with magic and and they dip they they dip their feet into it well with Werewolf by Night, but I don't see I don't see why the hell Blade is so important to do now. One of the, I mean, I think one more one more fuck up, but I'm sure Ali's just going to say, well, goodbye. This is ridiculous. And I like I said, I still I still think there's at least a there's at least a 60% chance this movie's not going to get made or it's going to get pushed out of phase five and maybe into phase six or beyond because it's like, okay, let's revisit this down the road because we just can't get this right. And there's other things we can green light now that people actually might go see instead of a gamble that counting on people even caring as opposed to saying, well, we like Wesley Slipe, so we don't want to, you know, so there's always a potential pushback to that too because it's a, it's a recast of a popular original version of the character. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's certainly going to be interesting seeing what they try to do. <laughs> I mean, the supernatural aspect, it makes sense that it's something that they should be going for. And that part, actually, the blade, the werewolf by night, putting those in these waves makes a lot of sense to me. Because that's something that you can start building. And then for waves, I don't know, what a seven, five, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine could be a very supernatural themed, you know, set of waves where now it's Spider Man and he's got to go up against, you know, uh, Man Wolf or, you know, um, I don't know. Doctor Strange has to go up against zombies, whatever, zombies, whatever, you know, like, and then you can have waves that are specifically themed for something like that, gearing up to some giant supernatural, whatever. That makes sense for long term. Now, that Blade movie, like, they've been talking about it for so goddamn long now. It's like, it's a joke. It's a joke. Like, don't tell us about it if you're going to keep on kicking the can down the road that much. If it means something to you and it matters, then make the goddamn movie. Werewolf by Night was fantastic. And, you know, they made that and then that's it. And it's like, okay, well, what? They recolored it or they, now you can watch yes. it in color. That's insane that they thought that that was, like, a draw at all. Like, I mean, okay, if you enjoy it, like, hey, awesome. I'm happy that they did that for you. To be like, hey, you know that movie we released last year? Here is it again with a slightly different variation. No, no, that's not that's not anything. Stop making so many TV shows. Still make Loki season two because that was amazing. And make those single one-off you know, TV specials or something like that, or, you know, make like a slightly longer one and have it be a Disney plus special movie or whatever like that, or make, make a a spooky movie. I don't know, like whatever, just 
do something. It's, I don't know, it's, it's really, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating because these movies were so much fun and so exciting and something that you looked forward to. And they have squandered that. And now, while we have like occasional islands of quality, like Loki season two, or for the most part, Doctor Strange two, multi multiverse of madness, or you know, Sony's Spider Man three, you have these movies that are still doing really well, but then you have stuff that's not doing well. Somebody compared the first three waves quality to the next three quality three movies of quality and it's like oh yeah you know like if you go by what is it um rotten tomato scores it's like oh yeah they had a hit and a miss and a hit and a miss and a hit and a miss and so does this wave have a hit and a miss and a miss it's like no if you're gonna look at that like that's completely disingenuous because the movies of this wave and tv shows are either they're they're very good or they're abysmal, just absolutely unwatchable abysmal, as opposed to it being like everything is pretty good, and then occasionally you have stuff that's like, eh, it's okay. And you know, and you had like something like Thor Dark World, which was like largely considered the worst movie that they had put out. Now not, Thor not Dark anymore. World, <laughs> yeah. Thor Dark World looks like freaking Shakespeare compared to some of the stuff that they're putting out. You know, you can't you can't just gloss over it and be like, oh, yeah, you know what? Th- these waves are fine. The stuff that they're putting out is the same exact quality. It's the people that are, you know, twisting things like, no. Yeah, it's the haters. We're all, you're 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 always you're always haters. I mean, I mean, uh, the, the, the money's not there. No, the money speaks, especially after how high you flew to the sun with Endgame, for you to put out uh, the Marvels. I don't have to go any further than the Marvels. And you look at that box office, and it's like, like okay, something is is quite wrong. Something is quite wrong. You know, people, again, the, the Marvel, like the Marvel sycophants first wanted to say, yeah, it's always the haters and all this stuff. And then they said, oh, you know, phase one, like you said, in a, in a way, phase one is, through you know phase one was just the same as phase four we just don't remember it's like no phase one had a point phase one was all about building to the avengers that's what phase one was about phase four nobody knew was about so they gave us some half-assed thing at the end about oh it had to do with dealing with grief and and dealing with loss and something related to the snap and the blip except half of that doesn't make sense either because the majority of the movies are half the movies in those in those uh wave or that phase had still had nothing to do really directly what was what was going on i mean i mean black widow had nothing to do with the blip other than yelena at the end it had nothing to do with the the movie really shang chi didn't have anything to do with that the eternals really didn't have much it didn't have anything really to do with that spider-man actually spider-man technically really didn't either because all because far far from home did but that was you know but no way home really didn't that was about peter wanting to make basically making a really bad deal to try to look out for his friends and it screwed up the multiverse, but that really didn't have anything to do with the blip either. And then you had the, and the multiverse of madness really, and it's like, even what they want you to think, 
It's like there's not that the, the common thread is in there. And when it comes to the the ratings, I mean, my God. So most of I mean, so so many the, the overwhelming majority of the bottom or the reviewed critic wise MCU movies are all in phases four and five. I mean, the Mar- the Marvels is 62 percent. Quantumania is 46 percent. Wakanda Forever is 83, which is not, you know, which is a far step down, a big step down from the first one. But still, I mean, that's Love and Thunder, 63 percent. Doctor Strange, 73 percent. And you have Spider-Man. You have No Way Home, which was 93. The Eternals is 47. Black Widow is 79. I mean, these are just these are not good. These are really bad, really bad numbers. So it's like, so it's not that people are just, oh, you know, people, people are just being more critical. They want to find the negative. It's like, no, the quality, the quality in general is not there. And that's what the problem is. Can it, we see, we see the gems here and there. And that gives you hope and it reminds you of what it can be. It's kind of like when something good with Star Wars happens, it reminds you, oh, this is why we like it. So it's it that's what it's like, and but they have they they have to they have to come pull this together because the reality is you know phase four was pretty much a disaster, and phase five isn't doing much better. Phase I mean from a from a theatrical perspective, the only thing in phase five though we're not that deep into it yet, only Guardians has worked. I mean you had three movies this year, one was a one was a big hit, one was a big disappointment, one was a disaster. And they, and even the one that was a big hit, they, I'm sure they would have gladly swapped Guardians for Quantumania to have Quantumania be the big hit <laughs> based on their plans. But they didn't get that. That was the big disappointment. And the Marvels is an utter disaster. The Marvels may not, there's a chance the Marvels may not even make $200 million worldwide. And it's definitely not going to make $300 million. It's not going to make $100 million domestically. That's an utter, utter disaster. What can we do? You know, uh, the, the only thing that I really wanted to comment more about Loki was there were aspects of it that seemed very well produced in terms of visuals, like Obi's workstation, uh, both at the TVA and his actual like laboratory before he became a TVA member. I think those were designed really well. I think what we got to see of the TVA, we got to see a little bit more of it. It was nice what we got to see, but there was a certain amount of it that kind of seemed like it was taking place in a box. You know, like we still didn't, we still didn't go outside of like that one building at the TVA. Like you see a city outside and we have never, ventured out there as far as we know it's just for show maybe it is maybe it's just a video and it doesn't actually exist and it's just there to give the people at the tva a sense that there is a city out there when in fact there's nothing could be that but there's certain like the 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 torture room the torture room the interrogation room like that was literally happening in a box and things like when they went to the world fair there was so little that they showed it's like okay well we set up you know it's it's all happening on a green screen and 
we built the layout for this wall with Balder so that we could have the Balder reference and this entryway gate, which we're going to use again later, and then the other wall next to it. It makes these things seem so small when it should be a world's fair. And then it's like when Ravona time travels in, it's like you see an alley and then they continuously go back to that alley and like you don't see anything past it. It's it made me think about how on Star Trek, like they'd have like 20 feet of hallway and like you had to like slow down your pace to get through all the dialogue, you know, or they were going to have to like, you know, you'd have to walk through and say what you had to say, stop, go back and then continue as you're walking through the hallway again. And the way that Star Trek does it is really good. And the way that Loki does it, it's like there were aspects of it that took me out of it because, hey, wait a second. They're in this time period and all we're seeing is like this back alley. It kind of makes it feel a little hollow. And I mean, I kind of understand in terms of like, you know, okay, you've got your limitations with budget or whatever. But by the same token, it's like for a show like this that is so good it's like why wouldn't you give them the resources especially when you have a show like secret invasion which is mostly unwatchable and they gave it i don't even know 250 million dollars something ridiculous something absolutely like a criminal amount of money for that but loki has to take place in like back alleys and and boxes i like There's something about that that I think speaks to the larger issue that Marvel is having as well. I think that's a good point. It's all yeah. It's it's like just deciding which what um what bet you're gonna put all your chips in on. (laughs) And it's like yeah, they especially when you hear like the the outrageous price of like all the She-Hulk episodes and things like that and. Yeah. Yeah, it does it it you're correct. It does and and I think you're right. It does speak to a a bigger problem because some of the visuals like especially in the last episode for Loki were fantastic and then it's but but you're right. And and again, like you said, some of it could be from a plot perspective that the TVA is maybe supposed to feel claustrophobic and small because of because maybe that's the way Kang wants it to be and you know, he who remains wants it to be like that. Yeah. But but when you step outside of that to a certain extent, then then you get to see, yeah, then then, be, then then the contrast becomes more more stark. Yeah. Anyway. Anything else, Jim? I think that I, I don't know. I kind of feel like we said enough about Loki. Yeah, I mean, like we didn't we didn't delve into everything. We didn't talk about the dude who had his own, you know, movie career. Yeah, this, I did like the Zaniac reference because I actually have that comic book. I have that Thor comic book where they introduce Zaniac. You know, like I, there were there were some really cool, clever things that happened. Uh, everything, like just everything with Ob, the time slipping. Uh, Kei Kwan is yes amazing. I like uh, amazing addition to this season. So good. The and the way that 
you know, like his name is Ouroboros and like literally like it, it's it just kept on popping up like the snake eating its own tail. Mm-hmm. That that kind of stuff. I, that was really fun. The. Just the way that Loki was able to figure out time because he's a god and he has centuries to spare and he learns everything. And then he goes to have a conversation with he who remains. And he's like, you know, it's like, oh, what makes you think this is the first time we've had this conversation? It's like, well, no, of course it wouldn't be because he's gone through this hundreds, thousands, however many times it would take. It's meaningless to him. He's just looking for the success until eventually he realizes that he accepts that. Okay, this isn't going to work. I need to find another solution. It was uh, it was really satisfying that the, the, the whole season was just so good. I mean, I feel like if if it was any worse, we probably would have been picking it apart more. And as good as it was, it's like if you haven't seen this, then watch it. Like if you're listening to us talk about it for this this long and you haven't seen it, then like it's it's worth a watch especially especially if you've heard us complain about everything else going (laughs) and yet we're still talking so glowingly about loki It, it, it was it's really one of the best things that they've put out it's the best tv show that they put out and i don't know i feel like the way that it wrapped up and as satisfying as it was and the characterizations that you get from everybody, it, it it may be better than some of their great movies. It was really just phenomenally done. And that's all I have to say about it. And I agree. I think I think that I think this season in WandaVision still probably would be my favorite things that I've seen from a Disney Plus show perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that that that's pretty impressive because you know WandaVision hit the ground running and it set a high bar even though it started slow but that's but it it set a high bar for the quality and they really have not done much to come close to that since and they've had a lot of I mean there was there have been things that I liked I mean I liked Hawkeye and the things like that and what if for what it is you know I, again we'll talk about what if down the road but the reality <laughs> is uh I think I think this is this is proof that Marvel can still do really good things and it's a good character's journey. It's, it's, it's just re it just worked so well. And, and again, it's, it's sad on one level just because yes, it does it, in a way because the spotlight shines so brightly on this that you can see the, kind of like where they've gone wrong by in a way, kind of like, uh, for all the various different reasons, some of these individual projects, you know whether it's the Eternals, whether it's the Marvels, even Quantumania, that why where they've kind of gone off the rails. So maybe at least it gives them hope that if you pay it, if you learn the lessons from the things that have worked, then and go back to what you know what worked in the previous phases too, that you can kind of course. It's not too late to course correct and at least start building back up some of that street cred that you had. It's not going to happen overnight, but yeah. at least we know when you put out something people like, they will support it like like guardians yes guardians was its own animal so that's why deadpool is going to be a big litmus test because 
you know, Deadpool, because this is going to be also Marvel's first attempt at doing Deadpool. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, so how that comes out. But, but if there's yeah. going to be another movie they're releasing soon, that's going to be bulletproof from the mess that's all around it. Deadpool, you think would be the one. So if Deadpool doesn't work, then they have, they have a bunch of problems coming. Uh, but, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> you have anything you got to, anything you want to push? Uh, well, I mean, there is my YouTube channel, Mosaic <laughs> Comics. <laughs> that, that, that's right, and you get a you get a nickel every time somebody visits that site. Mosaic Comics on YouTube. It is the the greatest Green Lantern vlog and informational place that you can go and watch amazing videos by. It's not me. I don't. I don't run it. So, I that that's probably a plus. If anybody listened to this episode, <laughs> it's Dan Kurtzky. He reruns that, and um, yeah, I don't really have anything to plug, so I usually just plug his channel. You're a good man. Uh, LanternCast at gmail.com. The website is LanternCast.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Rest in peace, Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. Thank you, Jim. We do need to do a pre-birth at some point soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe de- and- let's try to do it. Let's try to do a December to, to, to ring in the new year. Let's try to do a pre-birth. <laughs> and then we also have to we'll, we'll have to cover. Uh... The what if season two? Yes, the the nine day the nine days release schedule formula. Yeah, that that at least will be cool. At least that's something different. I give them I give them credit. It's not as bad as yeah. It's it's kind of like taking the weekly, but not completely dropping everything at once. It splits the difference. So I that'll be that'll be cool. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Actually, some of the stories don't yeah. look like they'll super appeal to me, but I do like just the the conceit of doing it over nine days i agree good night everybody see you next time (laughs) you know because loki was about time travel time (laughs) goodbye it works so long